What's up, podcast listeners? Welcome into another edition of, uh, you know, this podcast, the Corey Clark podcast, the Corey Clark experience, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, I am sports columnist Corey Clark for the Tallahassee Democrat. This is where I offer my musings, along with obviously uh, the things I write during the week, and then also my Facebook Lives on, uh, on Friday, which obviously you need to be a part of. You need to be watching those. Those are uh, high entertainment, high, high quality entertainment. So anyway, this is the post-Duke uh, win edition, pre-Louisville game edition. And uh, I guess first we'll start, with the, uh, we'll start with the Duke game. You know, it's weird. I don't know what it says about Florida State and where it is right now as a program. Where, um, you know, I thought, and as an offense, I, I thought Florida State played really well. Not really well, let me temper that. They played pretty well. On um, on Saturday in Durham, I thought the offense did anyway, but yet, I mean, I thought Cam Akers and Patrick were really good. I thought Blackman, you know, eighteen of twenty one, uh, two of the two of the incompletions were interceptions, so the ball only hit the ground once. And one of the interceptions, he was trying to throw the ball away, and he got hit as he threw. So you know, really, the guy I thought played really well. Um, thought Jimbo called a pretty good game for the most part. He could speed it up a little. Sixty one plays is not enough. But I uh, thought he, he called a good game. And yet, and yet, all that. Akers, I thought Nooney Murray was involved. Tate scored another touchdown. Um, with all that, they scored 17 points. So that's where you kind of just say to yourself, what in the world? Like, how, where are we now with the Florida State program that where you, you legitimately think, and I'm not, I'm not alone, um, you legitimately think that the Florida State offense looked good. It looked as, maybe as good as it has all season. And it still scored two touchdowns and uh, one touchdown after the first drive of the game, 17 points total. But there are it's close. Jimbo says it's close. He talks about inches all the time. I get it. We roll our eyes because he says it so much. But they really were close. They got, apparently, according to Jimbo anyway, they got, they got kind of screwed on an on ineligible receiver downfield call. Jimbo thought they were lined up correctly. That would have been a 30-yard completion to Nooney Murray and sets up more points, maybe even a touchdown. They, you know, the holding calls cost them just little. The, the two interceptions in Duke territory, um, one made because of a holding call or delay. You know, they did have a delay game coming, coming out of a quarter break. I mean, at some point, that kid has to look up and see the play clock and understand, oh, that's getting low. I need to either snap the ball or call timeout. So uh, I don't really, I don't necessarily blame that on Jimbo. But uh, but I mean, the kid's eighteen. Those things are going to happen. Uh, but I thought Blackman played well. I think I think that kid is showing you something in the fourth quarter of games. Um, you look at what he did against Miami, what he did against Wake Forest, uh, what he did in this game. Uh, you know, it was Acres that had the the game winning touchdown run, but that was only made possible because Blackman converted two huge third down throws on that play. Um, the first one when he was getting blitzed uh, hit Murray, uh, Nooney Murray, for a big first down and then also hit Izzo on another play as he's getting hit um, on third down. Those are big, big plays, man. Um, that kid stood in there and made throw as he's getting hit, stood in there and made some big throws. And then obviously, yeah, I don't know if James Blackman's going to be special. He has some makings. He has some ingredients. You can tell the size, uh, well, the height anyway, um, the arm, the competitiveness, um, you know, he's shown an ability to be clutch early on in his career. Um, hasn't really melted in big moments, obviously. The Miami drive was a sensational drive. Uh, what he did against Wake, um, and then this one, um, those two throws against Duke. 
So he's shown the ability to be special. Cam Akers is special. I mean, there's no doubting that kid is going to be a superstar as long as he stays healthy. He's a, you can see why, what all the fuss was about with that kid. He's really good. But I will say this. Man, uh, Jacques, I call him Jacques. I know it's Jacques, but he spells it Jacques. So I'm going to go with Jacques, the French pronunciation. Uh, Jacques Patrick um, really, really made some big plays in that game, including their very first drive. They go on a nice, I think it was a 12-play, 83-yard drive for a touchdown right out of the gate. It was, a, it was a really great drive. But it was all made possible because Patrick, on third and one, he gets stopped a yard behind the line of scrimmage, but breaks a tackle, spins off, and gets the first down, keeps the drive going. If that doesn't happen, if he doesn't make that play, because the line kind of got blown up, if he doesn't make that play, Florida State has a th- another three and out to start another uh, another game. Instead, he gets that first down and, the, and it gets rolling a little bit. He he's played really well. When Jim Jimbo doesn't talk glowingly about a lot of his players um, after after signing day, National Signing Day comes, and you think they're all. Um, going to be NFL All Pros when he, the way he talks about them. But once they're on campus, he tempers it a little bit. Uh, doesn't go. He's certainly not effusive and over the top. But with with Patrick, man, he said he he can't say enough good things about that kid. He really has played really well this season uh, outside of the Alabama game where he didn't get a he didn't get a great he, he didn't get a lot of at bats in that game anyway. They they didn't run the ball well at all because um, they knew they couldn't. So anyway, the Duke game offensively. Saw some positive things, saw some things that you kind of get yourself excited about, uh, and then you look at the scoreboard and they had 17 points. So maybe they're close, maybe a few plays here and there. You know, they don't have a lot of margin for error. Um, If they get behind the chains, they're not going to get a first down, and they only have nine or ten possessions a game. So if you score four times out of nine possessions, that's not terrible, but that's not a lot of points. So as long as he's going to be calling it where they get 61, 62 plays a game, as opposed to maybe 75 or 80, um, you're going to, you know, you're going to struggle to put up a ton of points, and that's unless you're a great offense, and they're not a great offense. So anyway, uh, defensively, weirdly, although they only gave up 10 points, and one of them came on a 57-yard pass after an inexplicable third and 17 convert breakdown, um, I didn't think the defense I, just wasn't in, that impressive. You know, they didn't get pressure at all until late. Uh, Josh Sweat made a couple, and Burns both both really affected the quarterback the second-to-last drive in the fourth quarter. Other than that, didn't get a lot of pressure, um, did have the turnover on the halfback pass, which was a crazy decision by Cutcliffe to call that in that spot. Um, didn't have a lot of tackles for loss, just didn't attack, didn't make a lot of game-changing plays, any game-changing plays really, and they don't. Now they did have they did have the you know they stopped him at the end which was nice to see I guess although they did let him get down to the thirty and then the kid dropped the pass at like the twelve yard line that could have really got made things hairy um, and then the drive before that they got a three and out which that was the one where I that that you thought okay that was impressive um, Duke's down seventeen ten after the Acres run they get the ball back at, you know whatever their twenty five yard line. When Florida, you, that's when you think, oh, the Florida State defense is going to let them go march right down the field because that's their M.O., that's in their DNA. But they didn't. They got a three and out. Sweat and Burns both got pressure, both hit the quarterback as he threw. I was surprised Cutcliffe punted, but he did. It worked out. They got the ball back. Uh, but with no timeouts, they, uh, they, they couldn't get down the field to score a touchdown. So you win 17-10. to 10. You know, But Duke averaged over five yards per play. Um, and Duke's offense is horrific, or at least had been the last two weeks, had not been good at all, scored six points against Miami. Um, quarterback had been really struggling. So he didn't seem that affected, I guess, was what I took away from that game. They, 
they don't affect quarterbacks that much. Rozier, in the fourth quarter, was not affected in the least. Um, the kid from Finley for NC State was not affected the whole game. Now, he gets rid of the ball quick, but you, you give him a lot of easy completions, he's going to take them. And I, the same thing with Duke. The, that running back uh, got some yardage. It, it just wasn't a dominating performance against a bad offense. Now, the results are the results. Like I, can't, I can't on one hand say it doesn't matter how, good the offense play, how well the offense played if they only scored 17 points. The results are the scoreboard. That's what matters. And then on the same token say, well, forget that, they only score, forget that the defense only gave up 10 points. They actually didn't play that well. That, that doesn't work. I understand the hypocrisy there. But I just I'm, when, you're, when you're projecting this team and you're projecting what this defense is moving forward, it didn't give you a lot of positive indications that it's going to slow down Louisville on Saturday or it's going to slow down Clemson in a few weeks or, heck, Syracuse uh, in a couple weeks. You just didn't get that impression from watching that game. It, it just wasn't an overall impressive, dominating performance. So, but, you know, they were playing at noon in Durham, North Carolina in front of 30,000 fans. Half of them were Florida State fans. It just was not a great atmosphere. I get it. Maybe it's hard to come out and be all fired up to play in front of a bunch of basketball fans who are half interested. So giving them the benefit of the doubt, this is a really big test coming up Saturday. This guy, Louisville, um, you know, it's, it's not just Lamar Jackson, but it's a lot of Lamar Jackson. That offense is really tough to stop, really tough to stop. And he is a a generational type player. He just, I mean, obviously we all remember what he did last year to this team. Um, put up 63, could have put up 80. Florida State just was not stopping him, had no interest in trying to stop him after the second quarter. And it just snowballed out of control in that in that second half. And I think, you know, at the end of the year, when, when people look at Charles Kelly and whether he's going to be retained or not, if the defensive staff is going to come back intact, the one thing, you know, the defense hasn't given up a ton of points this year. They're they're pretty good scoring defense wise. Now they're not good when it counts in the fourth quarter, but they're pretty good scoring defense wise. But I think one thing you look at is, you know, they've played three common opponents um, from from last year that they played that they played last year: Wake Forest, NC State, and Miami. All three teams have scored more points against Florida State this year than they did last year. So how much improvement have they really made? Now, it's, it's by varying degrees, they all scored in the 20s. None of them were running up and down the field and lining up the scoreboard. But you thought the FSU defense was going to be so improved from last year. And statistically, they are now because they don't have a 63 on, their, uh, on the resume. They don't have the 35 that they gave up to South Florida, the 37 they gave up to North Carolina against you know the number two overall pick in the draft. So they are improved statistically. But when you look at the teams they played, the common opponents from last year to this year, there, there doesn't seem to be any improvement at all. They had a nice showing against Alabama um, where the special teams let them down and the offense let them down. Um, and they were pretty good against Duke, I guess. They didn't play Duke last year. But NC State um, scored more points against them this year. Miami scored more points against them this year. And so did Wake Forest. So that's not a great sign. Now, if Louisville scores more points against the, this defense than they did last year, well, then holy moly, Charles Kelly might not make it out of the locker room at halftime. Uh, I don't expect another. I don't expect them to score more than sixty-three points this season or this year against Florida State. I really don't expect them to get into the forties, which you know you shouldn't even have to say that when you're Florida State. I don't think they'll give up forty points, but you know if Louisville gets in the thirties, which is a a distinct possibility because Lamar Jackson's really hard to guard, really hard to stop. Um, he's just a he's such a dynamic playmaker. Um, 
you know, if if Louisville gets in the 30s, can Florida State win the game? You know, I know you look and say, well, man, if if Louisville can give up 45 to Boston College, they should give up 70 to Florida State. True. I mean, Boston College doesn't score 45 on air. Boston College scored 38 in the second half in that game. But that that just that hasn't happened since Doug Flutie was there. They just don't put up points ever. They don't score touchdowns. And Louisville somehow gave up 45. They gave up 270 yards rushing to one player, including a 75-yard run where he picks up a Louisville kid and throws him down like he was a like he was a child climbing on top of his dad, and his dad just threw him on the couch. Um, I mean, it was it was nuts. So you look at that Louisville defense; it's worse than Florida State's defense by a wide margin. But Lamar Jackson is an equalizer. He is a difference maker. And if James Blackman, if, if he throws a couple more interceptions, he's thrown two interceptions back-to-back weeks. If he throws two more interceptions, gives Louisville short fields. Um, you know, again, Louisville can put up points and will put up points. Florida State has to match them. Florida State needs to get some stops here and there, hold them to some field goal attempts. But, man, they, I don't know how they score in the 40s. and when, uh, you know, If they have to score in the 40s to win this game, I don't see how they do it. That's just not in this team's MO. They don't put up points. They've scored eight touchdowns all year. So you can't expect them to go in and score five or six in one game. That's just not how they play. So that's what concerns you. I don't think Louisville is very good. I think Louisville has some quit in them. I think if you get up by a couple scores, which is saying a lot with this Florida State team, if you could somehow get up a couple scores against that Louisville defense, as bad as they're feeling about themselves after, the, after that Boston College debacle, well, man, it could get ugly real quick, and they might just give up. They gave up here two years ago when Dalvin was just running all over all those arm tackles. Um, you know, they, they're, not, they're not a disciplined team. They don't seem to be a real prideful team. They're more of a front-running team. As, as was evidenced last year, uh, when, thing, when things were tough, Louisville didn't really respond that often except the Clemson game. Even then, they, they lost that one, but that was a heck of a game, and they did rally back. Other than that, they don't do that a whole lot. So if you get on them early, I think there's a chance they, they kind of let you just impose their, your will on them. But that's an if, because it's hard to get up on Louisville early because Lamar Jackson is awesome. And Lamar Jackson is going to put up points and he's going to put up yards. You wonder, he hasn't run as much this year as he did last year, and you wonder, as he, knowing he's not coming back to this program for another year, if he starts thinking about the NFL and starts making business decisions. I don't know that he will. Um, he is playing his home state team that did not recruit him as a quarterback. He already lit him up for 63 in one game. You know he's going to be – he came here as a freshman two years ago and did not play well at all. So you know he's going to want to play well in, in his home state. That's going to be a motivating factor, you would think. But then again – if his offensive line isn't blocking, if he's having to run for his life and take, a pun- and take punishments on all these runs and get tackled hard, if, say, he's down 17 points or 17-3 to three in the second quarter um, or 24-10 to 10 or whatever, if it doesn't look like his defense can stop the offense, he might just say, you know what, I'm just going to sit back in the pocket, wing it around, and that's, when, that's what you want him to do. Now, he's a, he can be a good passer. He can make throws. But he's not a great passer. He is an electric runner. He is a dynamic, awesome runner. He's not a great thrower. So you want him in the pocket trying to make plays with his arm, not with his legs. And if he decides to do that for business decisions or any other reasons, you got him where you want him a little bit. I don't know if he wants to subject himself to 25 runs and all those tackles on a team. You know, he's playing. You know, last year when he played Florida State, 
they, they were looking for, he was chasing a Heisman and they were looking at a national championship. Well, that's not happening now. They're not, they're not winning a national championship and he ain't winning the Heisman. So he doesn't have as much to play for individually and team wise for that matter. So maybe he says to himself, man, I'm not going to subject myself to 25 hits from these dudes uh, for a team, for a game we might not win anyway because our defense can't stop, can't get stops. And for a team that won't go to a, we, you know, we're going to go to a small piddly bowl. Speaking of bowls, real quick as we wrap this up, if Florida State wants to get to a bowl, you, you need to win this game. Uh, that's, there's no two ways about it. Two and four, when you still got at Clemson and at Florida on the schedule, you don't know if you're making up the Louisiana Monroe game or not. I, would, I, I, I tend to think that game will be made up on the first weekend of December, uh, the same weekend as the ACC championship game. Um, I, Florida State definitely wants to do that. Louisiana Monroe wants to do that. Um, and that could ha- that would certainly help Florida State's bowl chances and winning season chances. But if you want to have a winning season, you need to win this game. Because look, Syracuse and Boston College, as we saw this past weekend, those aren't gimmies. There was nothing fluky about Syracuse's win over Clemson. It wasn't a, cra- a bunch of crazy bounces and this and that. Um, in fact, Clemson Clemson lucked out. Syracuse throws a touchdown pass that's ruled it's questionable offensive pass interference. The very next play, they fumble, and Clemson runs that back for a touchdown. That's a 14-point swing. Syracuse outplayed Clemson. There was nothing uh, fluky about it. That's a decent team. That's a bowl team. Um, Boston College just put up 45 points on, uh, on Louisville. So that's not a gimme game either. And, you know, Florida State, you know, it's, it's, you know it can be hard to play in Boston on a Friday night in a weird game against a weird team. So anyway, all this being said – Florida State needs to go out and beat a decent team. Duke and Wake Forest are fine. They might go to bowls, but they don't have similar athletes. Florida State has played three teams with similar type athletes. Not as good athletes, in my opinion, but similar. Recruits from some of the same pools, and they're 0-3. You can't – you need to go ahead and win one of these games. And I think it would do worlds of confidence for this fan base to, to, after what happened last year, the embarrassment of the 63-20 – to win a game like this, to beat a team like this. Louisville's not great by any stretch of the imagination, but you lost 63-20. to If you can't get fired up, riled up, and emotionally charged to play a team that beat you, that embarrassed you on national television by 43 points last year, if you can't do that, then, man, this program has some real concerns. It already does, but that would be a, a really bad sign if Florida State can't win this game. Uh, this isn't a good Louisville team. It's a wounded Louisville team. It's a Louisville team with not a lot of confidence. Florida State doesn't have a ton of confidence either, obviously. They're 2-3. and three. But you're at home. You, you know, your offense seems to be maybe coming around. Your defense prides itself on being a good defense, although none of us really believe that that's the case. But this, this is your moment. This is your chance to prove how much better you are than last year. Because right now, you, even though the numbers are better, you haven't really proven it. Because the, the three teams that you played, like I said, the three teams that you've played common opponents from last year, each one of them has scored more points than they did in 2016 against you. So this is the chance to show, okay, this is how much we've improved. This is how much we've gotten better. This is how much pride we have. So anyway, you know, I know it's not, you know, you're looking, even if Florida State wins tomorrow and makes a bowl, you're looking at, you know, becomes bowl eligible. It's like a Music City Bowl type season. Well, that's better than no bowl at all. And this is kind of a pride thing, man, at this point, when you're playing a team that beat you. But no, no, Jimbo's never coached against a team that beat them by 43 points the year before. None of these players have ever played a team, obviously, that have done that. So how are they going to respond to this challenge, this team, and what they did last year, and how silly they made them look? <clears throat> there was, and I'll, let, I'll, I'll end after this little point. 
Uh, it'll be a great point, though, so hang with it, obviously. Uh, there was a moment last year, if you weren't in the stadium, you didn't see it up in Louisville. I think it might have been 21-10 to 10 at this point, maybe 28-10. to 10. Um, it's, It was definitely the first half. There's a timeout on the field, a TV timeout. The Louisville offensive line stays out there like the Florida State offensive line does. The five guys just stay out there on the field while the, the skill guys go and talk to the coaches. And the, the linemen start jawing with the entire Florida State defense. The entire Florida State defense, just those five linemen. And there's no real aggression by the Florida State defense. It was a third and one coming up. There's a timeout on the field. It's a commercial. And the linemen all just start dancing and pointing and jawing with the, the entire Florida State defense, five on 11. It got so heated at one point that Odell Higgins, the, the defensive line coach for Florida State, defensive tackles coach for Florida State, comes in, and he's the one that's pushing the Louisville players back because none of the Florida State guys were doing it. They were all kind of just standing there and taking it and letting them talk and letting them jump, jump around and dance and have that swagger. And the, the crowd got really excited by it, and Florida State just seemed to wilt and shrink in that moment. And that, that told you everything you needed to know about that game and where it was heading. And, of course, two hours later, they'd given up 63 points, and like I said, it could have been 80. You know, that's, an embar- that's embarrassing, man. Florida State, you know, punked is the word that comes to mind. The Louisville offensive line in that moment just owned Florida State and took complete control of that game, that line of scrimmage, in that in, in that in, in just it was a it was a such a bad look that the only fight that seemed to be coming from the Florida State side was from the fifty year old head the fifty year old assistant coach and not from the guys on the field. Are they gonna show more fight than that in this one? Are they gonna show more pride than that in this one? That's what you want to see because if they do, then there's still hope not for this season, but that this program isn't irreparably harmed. That this is just a blip. It's another three, four loss season, but the, the culture's still there, the pride's still there. Um, the mindset is where it needs to be. But if you come out and lose again to Louisville and that kid runs all over you for 500 more yards, well then, man, you, you, there's, it's almost like there's no hope with, it, with, this, current, with this current staff and this, the, the current collection of coaches and players for that matter. So I think Jimbo would be doing, doing a lot of soul searching if he hasn't already, and I think he is. He'd be doing a lot of soul searching if they can't beat Louisville in this moment because this is not a great Louisville team at all. NC State controlled them pretty, pretty good. They lost to Boston College. Clemson demolished them uh, at Louisville. So anyway, uh, that said, new, another noon game. I'm sure you're really excited about that. Uh, if Florida State wins, they're 3-3, three and three, and they're on their way to a bowl. If they lose, who boy. Anyway, I appreciate you listening. Uh, tune in next week. You guys are the best. Peace and love. Corey Clark, out.